Because quite often we're, we're a little bit, it's I'm perfect and the other person needs to change and become perfect. And that's actually not the case. In all honesty, you're not perfect. I know this because we're all human. So it's all about, so seriously, the whole thing is about you becoming the one. So this morning's, um, the title of this morning's message is, I do, but can you follow through? So it's going to be mostly aimed at people who are single, but there are, I promise, some gold nuggets in there if you are married. Okay, does that make sense? That work? All right. So it's really, really important that... um, that you do pay attention. And I know it's quite easy to go, oh, well, I'm, I'm not single, so I'm just going to switch off. I promise you there is stuff in here that will help you. I promise. So every single Saturday in our city and every single Saturday in the cities across our nation and across the world, in fact, and most of the world on Saturdays, there's this thing that happens. And what happens is that these couples get dressed up. The bride gets dressed up and usually a white dress or an off-white dress, and it's a stunning dress, and she spends all this time preparing herself, and she looks amazing. To be honest, this is probably the most beautiful she's ever going to look in her life, not only because she spent thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars, but because she's so happy, and she has this light on the inside, and she's going to look stunning. At the same time, the guy, the groom comes along and he puts on a tux. It's probably the one and only time you'll ever get him in a tux. And he will look amazing. He will be very James Bondish and he will be dashing until he opens his mouth, but that's fine. So long as he just smiles in the pictures, it's all good. And so what happens is these couples, they spend months and months in preparation for this event. Not only do they spend months and months, but they spend thousands of dollars for this event. And they spend thousands of dollars for this one single event. And they, what happens is, is they, they have an altar of some kind, uh, wherever it can be. It can be in a church, out of a church, it can be at the beach, it could be wherever they were, even a registry office will do. And they come together with friends and family. And they stand before someone like Craig, a pastor of some kind. And what they do is they exchange rings. And it's all very lovely, and it's all very beautiful. And not only do they do that, but they actually make vows to one another that they cannot keep. They can't do it. None of us. We make vows on our wedding day, and none of us can keep them. We mean to. Our intention is that we will. We determine, I just, I'm going to do this. And, and, but you know what happens? Weeks go by. Maybe three or four months go by and it becomes hard because marriage is hard. And while I meant every word that I said, I'm struggling to do this. And it's not because you don't love the person, it's because you weren't prepared to do it. And I know this because I did this to Craig. When we got married, we'd only been married for a few months, and we lived in a flat at the back of his parents' place. And... Craig had gotten sick, and he was really quite unwell, so I did what I thought, what I was taught, what, I was, what was done for me when I grew up, is that I got him some Panadol, I gave him a glass of water, I shut him in the bedroom, and left him to be sick. <laughs> Every couple of hours, I would go and check on him, how are you feeling, do you need some more drugs, do you need to feel better, like, here you go. By about mid-afternoon, he comes storming out of the bedroom. He's got his blanket and his pillow. 
And as he's storming out of, through the lounge and out the door and he's, gonna, and he's walking up, he goes, you know what? I'm going to my mom because she looks after me when I'm sick. And, I'm, and he's storming through the house. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm looking after you. I gave you some water. I gave you some Panadol. I made sure you weren't dead every couple of hours. So I'm following him because I'm, I'm, I'm slightly offended. So I'm following him as he's marching up to his mom. And his mom had this, she opened the door and she had this look on her face like she's trying really hard not to laugh. And so he sits on the couch, gets himself settled on the couch, throws on a blanket, has his pillow, and the whole time he's ranting at me about how uncaring I am and how his, when someone is sick, you know, you make them a bed in front of the TV and they get to watch whatever they want because they're sick and you bring them chicken soup which you made yourself and how can I be so cold and unfeeling? Now to my mind, I wasn't cold and unfeeling. If you're sick, you're in bed. You can't watch TV, you're sick. I thought I was fulfilling my vows of loving and cherishing my husband in sickness. He thought I was not. So no matter how much I had promised something, I wasn't fulfilling that for him. Now, that's, it's, it happened. It's really funny, and he gets really offended. I think it's because he's the youngest child that he reacted so badly, but he reckons it's not. He reckons it's because I'm cold and unfeeling. But anyway. <laughs> so what happens is, though, is that six months into your marriage, it becomes hard. And when it becomes hard, then what happens is we begin this thing called commitment wars. And commitment wars are when you say, but you promised and you said and you were going to commit and you were going to do this. And it, the whole thing just ends up in an absolute mess. And we have a breakdown in communication. What happens is, and what we do is, we understand the concept that you need to prepare for things. We understand the concept that preparation is key. But what we don't understand is that there's a principle at play. And the principle that we always forget when it comes to relationships is that promises are no substitute for preparation. If you were going to run a long distance race, if you had decided that you were going to do a marathon, and if you rock up and you sign your name on the piece of paper, you buy yourself the gear, and then you just don't bother to prepare, and you turn up on the day to run the marathon, you are not gonna be able to run that marathon. If you have not prepared yourself, if you have not spent time training, getting your body in the condition to be able to actually do this, you're not gonna be able to do it. If your child comes to you and they say, mom and dad, I promise I am going to get an A plus on this exam, but they do not study, they do not prepare, no matter how much they promise you, they are not going to get an A plus on their study. I can, right now today, promise you all, next week on Sunday, I'm gonna preach in French. I'm gonna have it, it's gonna be awesome. In fact, I'm making this promise, everyone can hear me, right? I wanna promise you, I'm gonna preach in French. And I'm gonna have the whole church decked out with French flags. We're gonna have French music. Tamer's gonna make us all French food. And then I'm gonna rock up here on Sunday and there is no way I'm ever gonna be able to preach to you in French on Sunday next week. Why? Because I don't speak French. I do not have a, I cannot prepare to 
preach a sermon in French in a week. Now, if you want to give me a 12 months, maybe 18 months, I might be able to pull off a stilted version in French. But without preparation, no matter how much I've promised you, no matter how much it's been recorded, I could sign a piece of paper that says, I promise I'm going to preach in French next week. I am not going to be able to do that. At all. The problem we have is we understand that concept in various different areas of our lives, but we do not seem to understand it when it comes to relationships. People think that they can promise their way through a lack of preparation. Just because you say I do doesn't make you able. Just because you say I do doesn't make you capable. It only makes you accountable. And when you are accountable for something that you are not capable of doing, you end up miserable. Because you know what? When you mean your vows, but you haven't made the preparation to be able to keep them, they're worthless. They mean nothing. If you do not have the ability to hold to your promises, what was the point of making it? You see, commitment is way overrated when it comes to marriage if you have not made the preparation to be able to do it. We end up with commitment wars because I promised I would do something and I am not able to do it. I promise you I'm gonna speak in French. I will try my hardest over the next seven days. I'm not gonna be able to do that. I might be able to count to 10. But if you make a commitment to something that you are not able to do, it's utterly worthless. And that's what happens in marriage. You see, when you fall in love, this thing happens. And you believe that you can promise your way out of your lack of preparation. You, you come along and you're like, I promise that I can do this. I promise that I'm going to change. I promise I'm going to make all these changes. But if you have not actually prepared yourself for that, your words are empty. What happens is that you think to yourself, you don't understand, mom and dad, I want to marry this guy. And your parents are looking at you like, why do you want to marry this guy? I want to marry this guy because I love him. And your parents are looking at him, and you might be sitting there going, you don't understand, we are committed to be together. He has made promises that he's gonna change. We have a song. We have our own song. And your parents are going, that's great, but does he have a job? What's worse when we do this is we make promises is that we actually believe other people's empty promises that they're gonna change. We look at someone and we look at their track record and they don't have a job or they're in debt or they drink too much or whatever it is and we believe that their promises make their past behaviors irrelevant. But they don't. We also believe that when, we, when they get married, all those changes that they're promised are gonna automatically happen. It doesn't work like that at all. A lack of preparation cannot be trumped by a promise. You see, if you're a single person, you will never be less motivated to do it, but you'll never have more time to start to prepare. The reason why you'll never be less motivated is that generally we aren't motivated to make changes in our lives to be able to hold to our marriage vows until we're in a messy marriage, until your marriage is at crisis point, and then all of a sudden you want to start making changes. If you do that nine times out of ten, 
you're just going to end up in a mess. There are some marriages that are beyond saving. But if as a single person you determine to yourself, I'm going to make some changes now to ensure that I'm prepared to commit. Not to be prepared to be married, not to be prepared to commit yourself to one person, but I want to make changes now so that I am in the best possible place to commit to someone. And I promise if you do that, you'll be able to have a marriage where it doesn't fall apart, where things aren't getting crazy. There's a, a, a verse in Proverbs. Now, Proverbs, for those of you who don't know, Proverbs are a contrasting statement. So you have almost like a positive statement contrasted with a negative statement to reinforce an idea. Does that make sense? So Solomon, who's the wisest man ever, he actually speaks directly into this dynamic. And he says in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Now, the word prudent is not a word that we use very often. It's not, not really a modern type word anymore. It used to be used all the time, not so much. So a prudent person is a person who understands that all of life is connected. A prudent person understands that what happened yesterday impacts on what happens tomorrow. A prudent person is a person that understands that what I am doing today will eventually become my past and will show up in my future. Does that make sense? So the prudent person, the wisdom of the prudent, so a person who gives thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Ways, when we're talking about ways, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is behaviors. We're talking about habits. We're talking about paths. We're talking about trends. We're talking about patterns of people's lives. We're talking about the things that make us predictable. Things that make us predictable. So what this verse is saying is that the prudent person, the person who considers the way that they've gone, they look back and they go, this is the path I have been walking. I've been walking in this direction. My feet are pointed in this way. If I keep going, then this is my destination. That's what they're saying. The second part of the verse, which talks about, but the folly of fools is deception, is the person, and we know people like this, and they say, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25, but they have no job, they aren't in education to get themselves into a better position, they have no clue about what they're doing, or else they have a job and they leave it after three weeks or five months because the boss is an idiot, or I didn't like this about the job, yet they still insist that they're going to be a millionaire by the time they're 25, they're fools because they've got no path. You look at where they're going. They're going nowhere. They're circling the, the I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Do, do you see what he's saying? Foolish people do not consider where they're going. The prudent person thinks about the way that they've walked and the way that they are walking. You see, the best indicator of my future behavior is actually my past behavior. Commitments and promises don't indicate anything at all. We are predictable people. This is why young people, when your parents have concerns about the people you hang around with, because they look at the past and they look at the, the way the person has walked, they look at their behavior and they can predict where they're going to go. That's why your parents say, I don't want you hanging out with them. Not because they don't like the person, but because they're looking at their lives and going, this kid's life's going over here. Second verse in Proverbs and Chapter 14, verse 15, says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. The simple believe anything. 
when you fall in love, you come kind of stupid. Because, you know, you've got all those wonderful feelings of buzzing in your body and you feel a bit gaga and you're a bit silly and a bit loopy. To be honest, it's annoying for everybody else around you, but you think it's awesome when you're living in it. Yeah? You know what I mean? We all know people like that. So the simple believe anything. When you are in love, you will believe anything. But you don't understand, Mom. We have a song. And not just do we have a song, but when I met him at the mall, there was an empty car park right beside his car. So it's got to be. I just parked. It was his car and my car. And not only that, but this is the clincher because he brought me a dog. And when we were driving home, there was this family outside in the garden and they had the same dog. Well, let's just set up the wedding now. That is what happens. And we get a bit silly and we get a bit simple. And the guy will come to you and he will say, oh, look, I might have this wrong with me. And yep, I've got this problem. And, and this hasn't gone so well in my life. And, and yeah, I don't really have a job at the moment. But if you marry me, I will change. And your parents are sitting back going, I don't see it. Your friends are sitting back going, I don't see it. The prudent person will actually say to them, let's talk about your past. Let's talk about where it looks like you're headed. Now, I'm not saying that people can't change, but you actually have to see the change. Don't just tell me you can change. Show me the change. Because otherwise, there's no change. That's just them making empty promises. You see, the prudent person says, we're going to talk about your past. The in love person says, I want to talk about his promise. His promise, which is folly. His promise, which is empty, because his life is telling you he's heading in a different direction. You see, King Solomon is actually saying, I'm all for love, but let's not be stupid about it. I'm all for love, but let's make sure there's some changes happening. We need to work on those issues that you may have now. And you know what? Some of us don't see what they are. Particularly when you're in love, you don't see what the issues are. That's why you need to listen to your family. You listen to your parents. You listen to your friends around you. You listen to trusted people because you're stupid when you're in love. I'm just going to say it how it is. Some of you are going to walk away today and go, wow, Trim was harsh. Those of you who like me will go away and say, Trim was blunt. So Craig and I have actually sat with some couples over the years, and, and it's usually the girl who does this, and she excuses away all the bad behavior of the guy. Always. Oh, well, he might have this problem, but he promised to change. And yep, this is a concern, but he's promised to change. But there's no evidence that there's any change. Marriage doesn't fix anything. Doesn't fix it. So the verse says, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. The steps show where you are going. The steps show which direction you are walking in, which direction you are headed in. The steps show us exactly where you're going to end up. You see, the past that people choose will trump the commitments they want to make. And they will mean those commitments. They will mean that they want to change. And you know what? It's nice that they think that. 
but the path that their life is currently on will actually be the determiner as to where they end up. Put your trust in the path they're on, not in the promises they're making. It's not a question about where they are now and what they are promising. It's a question of where have they been and where are they going. The past is a better indicator than a promise. So for you, for the single person sitting here, what you need to do is make a commitment now to make some changes in your life so that you can keep commitments that you make later. Because quite often we think about it in terms of the other person, but we always need to be thinking about it, me. What do I need to change to make sure that I'm the best possible position to be able to hold to commitments? So I just want to share a couple of specific things that single people can do. And if you're married and you suddenly go, I never did that, we'll talk about how you can fix that. Yeah? So every Sunday in our church, we have, majority of it's done by Craig, but we have various people who will preach messages. These are general things that will help you in your life. If you take them on board, if you become closer to God, if you become more and more like Jesus, that will actually help you hold and keep to your commitments. So every week, if you miss a week, get the podcast, download it, listen to it. We're on Podbean. It's all for free. These will help you in a general sense. But I want to share a couple of specifics. The first thing that you need to do so that you can be a person who can say, I do, and follow through on that commitment before you even get into a relationship, or if you're in a relationship now as a single person, the very first thing you need to do is address your unresolved childhood issues. Now, this is a a whole sermon in itself that I'm just going to cram into a few minutes. So there's a really interesting quote by some professionals, and it says this, If you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person, every relationship will be an attempt to complete the whole in your heart. Let me read that to you again. If you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person, every relationship will be an attempt to complete the whole in your heart. You have to be a whole and healthy person. Because the Bible says when you get married, the two become one. If you're broken and you have a missing whole, you're not going to be able to become one. There's this interesting thing that happens. Can we jump to the next slide? So this is you. I just used a girl, could be a guy. Okay, and you have some childhood issues, generally it results with your parents. If you had a father who was absent, if you had a mother who was controlling, if you had divorce in your family, if you've had alcoholism in your family, that sort of stuff gives you childhood issues. Because you know what? None of us get out of this world unscathed. So there will be issues. It might not be as blatant as abusive. It could just be that your father was a workaholic, but you will have issues. And what happens is when you get married, this happens. The spouse ends up by jumping right in front of your parents. And so what happens is nine times out of 10, you don't even know you've got these issues. And your spouse catches all your anger and your frustration. And what happens in a marriage is that You have this this situation where you're so upset and you don't understand why they won't shape up. So what happens is, the guy, the spouse says to you, 
I just want to leave five minutes early. Next thing you know, the hurricane gets unleashed and she's upset and she's mad and I don't understand why this is happening. And he's sitting back going, all I said was, can we leave five minutes early? And next thing I know, this hurricane gets, un gets unleashed. And that happens. Now, if you are a really smart person, a really smart couple, you will go to counselling and you will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars and you will spend months and months and months. And if you are lucky... All of a sudden, this person will go, oh, I'm still upset with my mom. Now, if you are the spouse, you can't ever say, yes, I know. <laughs> Don't say that. That just made the situation worse. But that's what happens. If you are lucky, you will work out that your anger, your misplaced anger is not with your spouse. Your frustration is not with your spouse. Your frustration lies in childhood issues that you still have. This happens to us because we don't get to adulthood without scars. We don't get there without, you might say, I don't have any issues with my parents, I just don't speak to them. you got issues. If your parents are alive and you're not talking, there's an issue. Well, I'm just, you know, we just keep everything on the surface. you got issues. I'm telling you if, you, if you're a child of divorce, there's issues. If your father was an alcoholic, issues. Your mother was controlling issues. You've got to deal with these things because you don't want to take those into a marriage because otherwise it becomes your spouse that you're angry with. If you're married already and you're like, oh, so that's what this is about. If you didn't quite realize it, there's another slide. Can you just jump to there? Thanks. So if you are in the middle of something similar to this, this is some simple ways that you can deal with it. Louis Giglio on YouTube has got this amazing series called Boy Meets Girl. You need to, it's free, watch it. There are about five or six sessions. It will help you. If you think you need more help than that, we have counseling available. We've got details about freedom counseling are in our office. You can speak to any of the office staff. They'll be able to help you with that. If you need something a bit deeper, go to Richard Black. Craig and I spent two days with him about a year ago. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then, of course, if you need more than that, there is living wisdom. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that any of our leaders will pray with you if you are struggling. Unfortunately, most of you are just going to ignore that and continue to suffer. But, you know, I told you, the help's there. Just need to ask. No one will judge you for it. You just need to ask. So the next thing that you need to do, and I'm just going to speak solely to the ladies here. And this just goes back to Craig's message from last week. Don't dress like a commodity or put up with being treated like one. If you did not hear Craig's message last week, I, I recommend you download, go to Podbean, download it and listen to it. Don't dress like a commodity or put up with being treated like one. If he dated you like a commodity, then he will treat you like one the rest of your married life. Do you know how a fisherman determines what to bait his hook with? What fish he wants to catch. It's a little bit deep, I'll say it again. Do you know how, how what a fisherman determines what to bait his hook with? The fish that he wants to catch. If you are trolling and baiting with your body, you're going to end up with a body snatcher. It's just the truth. If you are going out and just using your body to attract attention, you're going to end up with a jerk. I'm sorry, that's, that's just the way it is. 
As a Christian woman, you should be going out and trolling for guys with your passion for God, with your love for God, with your mind, and save all the body stuff for later. Because you know why? As cute as you are now, it don't last. And then what do you got left? I know it's, I know it's kind of blunt. For the men, you need to memorize part two of this series. The third thing, or the fourth thing you have to do is get out of debt. I'm serious. You can get out of debt a lot quicker as a single person than you can as a married person. All the married people, do you agree with that? Yeah, you can. You can get out of debt a lot quicker as a single person than you can as a married person. If you are a single person that has a lot of debt, that is a path, that is a habit, that is a trend that you need to break because you don't want to be taking that into your marriage. It's a behavior that you don't want to bring into your marriage. And you know what? Even if, he, even if the guy comes to you and he says, don't worry, when we get married, I'm going to pay off all your debts, all that does is you're just an irresponsible person who's just had their debts all paid off. You haven't changed. You haven't created a new path, a new pattern, a new trend. Does that make sense? Because you know what? Marriage is hard enough without adding a layer of stress to it like that. Not a good idea. And if you are a couple who are looking to get married, but you have debt, don't get married until the debt's done. Because if you are that in love, uh, you, will, you will determine that yeah, we're not going to get married until all of our debt's clear. If you make that commitment, you will be surprised at how fast you will clear that debt. You will clear it so quickly, uh, it's not even... But yeah, you do not want to take debt into your relationships. The next thing you need to do is break your bad habits. Wouldn't it be great married people if the person you married had already broken all their bad habits before you got married? Yeah? Don't look at each other. Don't nudge. See, marriage was not designed to solve any problems. That was not the purpose of marriage. And generally in marriage, the great things get better, but the bad things get worse. See, if you have a bad habit now, you'll have a bad habit then. You see, if you drink too much now, you're just going to drink too much when you're married. If you have a porn problem now, you'll have a porn problem when you're married. If you have not broken your bad habits, you're just going to take them into you. The worst thing is, is that now somebody else knows about them. You've got to break those bad habits. And don't fall for those lines. You know, yes, I had this bad habit of gambling, but if you marry me, you'll be able to help me. No, you won't. Because in six months' time, it'll be your fault why he has that problem. I'm serious. That's what happens. Well, how can he make, make his gambling problem my fault? Oh, trust me, it happens. Marriage, married people who are upset with one another are very inventive as to why it's each other's fault. I've sat through enough counseling sessions with people to hear the most ridiculous reasons why it's his fault that I shop and why it's her fault I gamble. It will get worse. You need to remember... That if you come to someone and they say to you, if, you know, help me with, get married and you can help me with this, you say, no, no, no. As much as I love you, you need to have a conversation with your mom because this is going back to a childhood issue and here's the number of a counsellor. Because that is not what you are here for. Women in a relationship want to be loved and cherished, not propping up their husbands. Husbands in a relationship need to be respected. And if she's propping you up, there'll be minimal respect. Men, 
Memorize part two of this series. Because you don't listen, so I figured I'd say it again. <laughs> the other thing that you need to do is postpone the physical component of your race relationship, ALAP, for as long as possible. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about the physical, other physical aspects of your relationship. I have never, ever had a counseling session with any couple where they said to me, um, I think our, our relationship would have been better if we got physical faster. Never had that. I've had a lot of people say the opposite. We should have delayed how physical we became. Should have, should have exercised that a bit better. Should not have done that. You see, self-control before you're married leads to self-control after you're married. Because self-control is a path. It's a habit. It's a trend. It's a pattern in your life. If you do not have self-control before you're married, you will not have it afterwards. Getting married doesn't instantly give you self-control. The other thing is you need to avoid living together at all. The stats have proven, you can search it out for yourself, there is absolutely no evidence that says living together before you get married leads to a successful relationship. In fact, the reverse is true. The stats actually very clearly state that if you live together before you get married, um, you have a, uh, I think it's like a 17% chance of successful relationship. And the more people you live with, the more it drops down. They reckon your first marriage will never survive. Go and have a look. Just need to be blunt about it. You see, no one makes a relationship decision looking at the stats because everyone always thinks they're going to be the exception. You are not going to be the exception. It's just don't do it. I want to speak to any non-Christians just for a moment. If you are a non-Christian person and you're here at this church, I need to say this very clearly. Don't date a Christian unless you plan to become one. Don't date a Christian unless you plan to become one. Because their whole, they have an agenda. They actually don't love you just the way you are. They want you to become a Christian. That's how it is. It's the old bait and switch. And I can prove it to you. They got you here today at church, right? They have an agenda. In all honesty, as a non-Christian, don't date a Christian, find yourself an honest pagan and date them because they don't want to change you. Because if you date a Christian and you end up by getting married and having kids, they're going to make you come to church. And now I get some people like, whoa. Dating someone as a way to win them to Jesus, dumbest idea I've ever heard. And you know what? If you are a non-Christian dating a Christian and they're sleeping with you, they're a hypocrite. So not only are you dating a, a Christian who's sleeping with you, they're a hypocrite, and you hate hypocrites anyway. Non-Christians hate hypocrites. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. So if you're a non-Christian, break off that relationship. You'll be happier for it, I promise. Can we just get the band up? I just have one last point to make. The last thing that I want to talk about is you need to get involved in your local church. You need to get involved in church. You need to be serving. Not just because it actually talks about where you are at with God. Because if you're a person who is in a good place with God, then yeah, you will be serving. Because you want to serve in his house. Zeal for his house consumes me. But you're actually going to meet someone whose flow and direction is going in the same way. You will meet someone whose plans and purposes, whose habits and trends and patterns are going in the same direction that yours are. 
You won't be meeting someone who's going to be at odds with you. You won't be meeting someone who isn't going in that right direction. How many women have I spoken to and they said, oh, but I thought he would do this and I thought he would be like that. If you go to the right places, you're going to meet the right people. Craig and I met serving in church. That's where we met. Well, we're asking you to expect the pastor to meet his wife in church. I was serving in church. I'd only been saved for about a year, 18 months. And I was serving in church. And Craig came along and joined our church. And he was serving in church. And we were both serving in the youth team. And we were both setting up, you know, Saturday nights for us, youth for a Saturday night. And we became friends. And we were both going in the same direction. We were both thinking about what God had in store for us. We both put God as a priority. We both put God serving in God's house as a priority. And what do you know? If you go to the right places, you will meet the right people. As a single person, I want you to walk away from these four weeks that we've done. And even if you only just heard today's message, I want you to walk away going, I'm going to commit to making some changes so that I am going to be in a position to be able to say, I do and follow through. That's what I really want for you. And as a married person, if you're prepared to communicate honestly with one another and get support and begin to repair some of this damage, Maybe address some of these things so that you will be able to follow through. Because at the end of the day, God wants you to have an abundant life. God wants you to have a life that is so full of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of joy that anything less than that, you're being robbed. So I just want want everyone to stand and we're going to pray. God, I thank you for these people who have come to hear from you. And I pray, God, that each person has been able to walk away with something, a measure of something that God is speaking to them about. God, I pray for the single people that we have. God, that they will make that commitment to be able to make the changes that they need to to follow through. God, that you would have highlighted something for them that they need to adjust and fix so that they will be the one that someone is searching for. God, so that they would be the one that can say, I do and follow through. And God, I pray for our married couples, Father. God, those who are, who are in good marriages, I pray, God, that you would strengthen them, that they would shine, that they'll be able to speak into the lives of other people. I pray for those people, God, whose marriages maybe are a little shaky or a little rocky. I pray, God, that they got something out of today that would be a good step for them to take to repair that. God, I pray that they will be bold enough and brave enough to step up and say, hey, we need to talk about this and make some changes. I thank you, God, that we're going to build your kingdom through good Christian principles in our marriages and good Christian principles in our families. I thank you, God, that your blessing is upon every person here, that they're going to go out in joy and go out in singing. Thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.